Welcome to the Fire and Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Sorrow. I believe in taking massive, inspired action from an awakened soul. This show is a weekly dose of spiritual principles, personal development, and success strategies for creating an epically aligned life. Here's to your wildest dreams coming true with less hustle, grit and grind, more flow, ease, and grace. I'm the founder of the Live Video Mastery Academy, a TV host, speaker, best-selling author, and proud fur mama, and I'll be sharing real talks with successful entrepreneurs, thought leaders, best-selling authors, spiritual luminaries, and high-performance experts in this unfiltered, transformational, and soul-centered podcast. Things are about to get real. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fire and Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Sorrow, and this is episode number 77. Something about that number feels special, but perhaps it's because today's guest is just extraordinarily special to me and millions of others around the world. Panash Desai, a spiritual thought leader and luminary and featured guest on Oprah's Super Soul Sunday, helps us learn to quiet fear and anxiety and discover the powerful wholeness that exists within us all. This is a yummy conversation. Many of you may be familiar with his first book that sold widely around the world and was translated into 10 languages called Discovering Your Soul Signature. And this is a beautiful follow-up several years later called, uh, his newest book is called You Are Enough, Revealing the Soul to Discover Your Power, Potential, and Possibility. So this conversation takes us into some of the framework that sounds so simple but yet is so profound. And I know it because I've experienced it myself firsthand and witnessed many others in the rooms with him. And it's such an honor to get to have this conversation. So we touch on how we met and the synchronicities of that meeting at Rhythmia uh, Life Advancement Center in Costa Rica back in November of 2019. But what I didn't share during the conversation was something that I want to share with you now. And that is that I didn't really know Panache. Of course, I had heard of Panache, but I didn't really know him when I met him at Rhythmia, and you know, he was very warm and welcoming and loving to me and everyone there. But it was at the end of the week that we had all been there. We're all about to leave and go home the next day. And I was sitting at the breakfast table. He walked by and I just thought, this is my moment. I heard that he heals people. I wonder if he'll heal me of something. So I just asked him. I just took the moment. And I said, hey, Panache, would you have a few moments to uh, help me heal something that I've been battling with my whole life? And he said, yes. And he sat down and he said, tell me about it. And I said, well, I've had body dysmorphia. And he said, okay, take my hand and close your eyes. And without going into too much of the detail, only because I would diminish it by trying to put it into words, within five minutes time, I opened up my eyes and I knew that I had been completely liberated from something that I had literally felt enslaved by and thought that's just the way that it was my whole life or as far back as I can remember. It's now been three months and that's completely gone. So it was in that moment where I knew that there was, there was something different something very real and authentic about this man that quite honestly, I hadn't come across in any of my teachers. I don't think ever. I don't think there's anyone on the planet like Panache Desai. And we are so blessed and fortunate to be in his proximity and to get to learn from him, be guided from him. And for some of you, like myself, to be in the same room as him in particular programs. So his book, You Are Enough, gets released on February 25th, 2020. 
So there's still plenty of time to pre-order it. And I'd love for all of you to get it. So what I'm going to do is put the uh, pre-order link in the show notes of uh, this episode at fireandsoulpodcast.com. You can pre-order the book. I read it in one day or less. I was highlighting and circling and earmarking and sharing, you know, quotes with friends and sharing it on social media. I mean, this book is, is profound. So this conversation takes us into a little bit of that framework, but I'm going to encourage you to not only pick up the book, but if you feel called after this conversation, check Panache's programs out and other ways that you can learn from him. I'm going to be at various programs of his in person throughout 2020 and beyond, and it would be incredible to meet you there. I'm really, really excited that you guys get to get a glimpse of this man's heart and his soul. He's just a gem of a human being. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Panache Desai. Welcome to the show, Panache. I'm so grateful that you are here. Thanks, Michelle. It's great to be here with you. I'm so excited. So we're recording this in real time, you guys, on February 4th, and this will come out on the 10th of February. But what's so cool is that I just got to spend basically five full days with you, Panache, in the desert for your incredible immersion event called A Life Without Limits, which I only did that after reading You Are Enough and being like, oh my God, I have to be with you in real life and experience this in person. And it was such a beautiful journey. So first, I just want to thank you for the way that you led that was just so congruent with every word on every page of You Are Enough. Thank you. You know, it's, it's I, I really enjoy the in-person experiences more and more and more. In the world that's moving more towards digital, I'm moving the other way. I, I really love being able to really see people and really connect with people. And so it's one of my favorite things to do. So I'm glad it resonated so profoundly with you. Thanks for being there. Oh, I'm looking at my journal right now. You guys can't really see this because we're not doing video. It's 37 pages of notes. I've gone to tons of events, over 100 events. I usually have three, four, maybe five pages of notes. Every word that was coming out of your mouth, I was just like, it was as if it was just landing on a heart that knew that that, those words would just take me home. Every single sentence. And that's how you are enough felt like to me. So I got my hands on on an early copy uh, an advanced copy, I think is how you guys say it in the book world. And it was funny because you had sent it and I was so grateful for that, but I just hadn't opened it because I didn't have a chance. And and then you sent me a note like, hey, how's it going uh, with the book? And I was like, oh, and so I read it. I opened it up that day and I was finished in less than 24 hours. And I was highlighting and earmarking every single little piece, just like being with you in person. So I want to talk about this book and where that picks up from where you left off with your first best-selling book, Discover Your Soul Signature, and where you are now with with the content. Yeah, it's it's it's, uh, it's been quite the journey since the last book. You know, the last book really was uh, a way of coming into acceptance of oneself. So, discovering your soul signature was a thirty-three day journey for people who aren't familiar with it. And every day, I meet with you at three separate occasions during the day: in the morning, the afternoon, and the evening, and guide you through this bite-sized portion of transformation where we cultivate an awareness, we deliver some form of transformation, or we facilitate in changing your energy in some way. And it was a wonderful, wonderful precursor to You Are Enough. But the funny thing is, Michelle, that actually I was doing an interview with a a journalist uh, just a couple of days ago. And I said, you know, there's a moment in the life of every creative, whether they're an author, a musician, an actor or actress, a director, whatever, whatever their function is in the world, if they're creative, that all of a sudden, a body of work comes through them that was the reason why they were born. 
And I feel like uh, as much as discovering your source signature was so impactful and so meaningful to hundreds of thousands of people all over the world, I feel like You Are Enough was the reason why I was born and why I've had to go through every experience in my life that I've had to go through in order to allow this body of work to flow through me at this time in human history. And how do you think you were able to access that calling or awakening? I think that I had to get to the point where I could exhaust every material possibility and every promise that society had dangled in front of me. When you're not successful, of course, you want to be, right? And, uh, and there's some egoic driver that is moving you. And it's typically based in fear, lack, and scarcity. And in my case, it was I wanted to prove that I wasn't my father and that I could be responsible and take care of everybody because I had inaccurately misunderstood uh, his inability to consistently do that as a source of my mother's suffering. And I, of course, fulfilled that. And actually, having fulfilled that, I think felt the most miserable that I had felt in my life. And my issue is that I had become very successful very early in my life. So once you exhaust all the uh, material possibilities and potentials to dang onto you, there's no choice left for you but to go back inside and to get in touch with what's really going on there. And so it's been quite the journey since Soul Signature to, to You Are Enough. And, and there have been so many life events that have unfolded that have allowed me to really prioritize what's important, what I'm living for, and ultimately get me to this place where now I'm able to purely just be of service. It, it, it's really just not about me anymore on any level. Mm-hmm. I just get to show up and I get to be available. Everything flows through me. It's seamless. And none of it has anything to do with me. Now, there's nothing on a personal level that I have to finish or prove anymore. You know, that's all been completed. And what you'll find, guys, is that right around that time when you evolve beyond that need, that's when your service begins. And so I'm super excited because it just so happens that I'm, I'm entering this decade where I'm going to be out in the world in a very dynamic way and be out in the world from a place of just being of service and just supporting individuals like all of you that are listening in realizing that you're enough and being empowered in that experientially so that you can receive everything that you want. Beautiful. Now, if this decade were happening, let's say four or five years ago, when Discover Your Soul Signature came out, were you ready then for what you now know you're about to embark on? I wasn't ready at all, no. I, uh, I absolutely still had some growing up to do, absolutely still had some evolving that needed to happen. And I think that the, the biggest catalyst for me was that in April of... Uh, 2014, when Soul Sister came out, shortly thereafter, we found out that we were pregnant with my second set of twins. And, and how uh, long after was that after your first set of twins? First set of twins was in 2012. Pretty short window of time. So within the uh, time, you had four children under, under like one or three, excuse me. So the girls, when, when the twins were born, the girls were two and or 18 months, I think. And then these, the second set of twins came into the world. And uh, so my girls are now seven and Leo and Celeste will be five uh, on the 14th of February. So oh, right around so the time sweet. when this comes out. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's just amazing to me how life works, right? So here I am, very early age, especially spiritually, because typically people don't really spiritually mature into the fullness of who they are until they're older. Right? I don't understand why it is that way, but it just is. So here I'm in a spiritual capacity and all of my success and all of my kind of notoriety in the world came through spirituality and who I was and and what I was able to bring into the world from that place. Oprah happens. And up until this point, yes, life had happened, but nothing had really intensely happened 
since I'd had my remembrance of my awakening. And so the book comes out, all of a sudden, Jan and I are in a doctor's office in Wisconsin. We had to fly up there. And our world literally was just shaken at its very foundation. Uh, we went up there for an ultrasound. And in the midst of that ultrasound, we were informed that one of our twins, Celeste, may not even make it through the pregnancy. And if she did, we may immediately need palliative care uh, because she probably wouldn't make it long after. Mm. Or she's probably going to need some very severe medical intervention in order to just be comfortable and, and give her a shot at, at you know, surviving. So I go from this extreme high of this Oprah experience and then this huge book deal with Penguin Random House and all of a sudden being propelled onto this world stage. And then, of course, life happens, right? And in that experience of life happening uh, over the course of the five years, all I can say is that everywhere inside of myself that I had yet to embrace or everything within me that I had yet to become available for started to come up. And there's nothing like crisis to serve as a catalyst. And literally, I, and to this day, I'll say that, you know, Celeste's heart defect was an opportunity to correct my own. Mm. You know, it, it's been an amazing adventure. So, you know, she's almost five. Uh, we almost lost her several times during that, uh, that window of, of time where she was still waiting for a heart transplant. Uh, at 18 months, she subsequently got a heart transplant and then went into a very severe form of rejection. And so she's only really now stabilizing in her experience with her heart. And of course, for Jan and I, it's just shifted everything. You know, we, we don't take anything for granted. We have consciously made a commitment to parent in a way that's as aware as possible, as aware as we can be. And we are moving toward that more and more and more. Whereas uh, often in life, when crisis happens, it can sometimes be the catalyst for things to fall away and for relationships to fall apart. We were able to look at not only our relationship, but our dynamic as a family uh, and also my relationship with my parents and fundamentally overhaul all of it. And so it was a deeply intense and cathartic time. And in the midst of that window of time, also, I was still traveling. I was still teaching. I still had employees that were depending on me. It was a global community that, that I was still showing up for. And people couldn't believe it. And they just couldn't believe that I was still available and out there and effective and impactful. So subsequently, you know, four and a half, five years later, this work just emerges after being kind of placed in that furnace of transformation and emerging through the other side of crisis. This work just naturally kind of emerged this you are enough. And I, I couldn't, be, couldn't be happier because I realized that all of these metrics that we have for success and for fulfillment are all false metrics. For example, money, fame, success, you know, build a company, sell a company, right? Whatever that is, right? So, so based on whatever lane you're in or whatever world you're a part of, there are certain inherent goals or objectives in that ecosystem, right? That you're conditioned to believe are the answer, right? So in spirituality, for example, the answer is enlightenment, right? So everyone's chasing enlightenment. They're meditating and doing all of these practices, but they're chasing enlightenment, but they're chasing enlightenment as a concept instead of an experience. Yes. And so when you're chasing enlightenment as a concept instead of an experience, you are looking to something outside of you as the answer for the suffering that you have inside of you. And it just doesn't work that way. And, and also, subsequently, you can't success your way out of suffering. So whether you build a business, you build a company, you have a huge platform, like this global footprint all over the world, and you're rocking it out, you know, guaranteed, something within you is breaking down if you haven't done it in a holistic way. Right. If it's been created from a place of pain, 
then it's, it's always, there's always some unconscious element and that unconscious element makes it completely unsustainable long-term. That's why people go ahead and build these huge businesses and platforms and companies. But the problem is that there's so much systemic risk in that, that, that long-term it's not viable. Of course, we have a million different examples of that throughout human history. Totally. So how, how we make things real and how we make things sustainable is by going to the depth of who we are and making every choice and decision from that place. And I've discovered that that place within me is a place of peace. Mm. You know, we almost have to redefine success as peace. Mm. You know, because, because if you don't have peace and you're chasing all of these things, when you get there, you're not going to be able to enjoy it. You're still going to be neurotic. You're still going to be overwhelmed and stressed out. And, and then you're going um, to uh, be suffering from your success, right? Because then you're going to bring that same energy and that same way of being to, to being successful or whatever that is. Right. So I realized that as much as I had evolved and gone through this process of evolution and this journey of awakening and remembrance, that there was still so much inside of me that I had to be available for. And once I had gone to the depth of that, that was it. Like at that point, I felt so complete in myself. And even though I had experienced mm. this historically, or had glimpses into this, I'm now able to live in a sustained way of being where I'm operating from connection more often than not. And of course, that translates as peace. Yes. I love that you said that. I know you've spoken for Tony Robbins on some of his stages around the world. And anyone who listens to this show knows that he was one of my first mentors, woke me up. Now I have others walking me back home like you. But he, he has a very famous quote of success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. I love that as I went through your immersion in Palm Springs this past weekend, I redefined fulfillment. And I was like, what is fulfillment? What does that even mean? What does it look like? What does it feel like? And because you kept just honing in on peace, peace, peace is the ultimate outcome of everything. I was like, oh, and it's so easy to measure. You're either in peace or you're not. Which brings me to my other point. You were talking about enlightenment and so many people are after enlightenment, especially in 2020, right? And you have a measured two-pronged part of what the outcomes of enlightenment, enlightenment are. Can you share what those are? Yeah, so the two indicators, the only two real indicators that we have for awakening are you become less reactive and you experience heightened synchronicity. You become less reactive because you're being accountable and responsible for what you have to feel inside of you. It's no longer about the other person or the circumstance or situation or scenario. You realize that everything's happening to either reinforce where you are internally or to agitate what there is inside of you that needs to be brought to the surface so that you can be aware of it and experience it. And then the other thing is synchronicity. And synchronicity is fascinating because more and more, the more I've let go of, of the need to be successful or conform to any external milestone or metric, the more I'm experiencing that it's almost like life has been laid out for me. <laughs> and it's a very surreal concept, but I want to I just reinforce it in reality with a few examples. So for example, and I'll, I'll give you them from my own life. So I was traveling throughout Florida and uh, nine days before I met my wife, I'd sworn off relationships and all of a sudden she showed up at an event and I thought I was being tested. I'm like, you know what? Forget it. I'm not going there. Like, even though I could feel this connection, I'm like, nope, not going there. Right. I'm being tested. And after about three months of being friends and just staying in touch, I said, you know, how I feel about you hasn't changed. And there were so many different layers right, of the relationship dynamic that I could have 
used to invalidate how I was feeling, but I didn't do that. You know, Jan's older than me. She's Catholic. You know, never met an Indian. Never had Indian food. You know, from Minnesota, right? I mean, on the surface, they had been married before. You know, she didn't need me. She had Jesus and her rosary, which I kind of liked because she didn't need me for anything. So at that point, I was like, okay, this is wonderful. So, so at that point, I'm like, okay, on paper, this makes no sense. But yet, how I feel is so compelling mm. that it isn't going away. And so, to save myself some time. Two weeks into the dating portion uh, of this, what was almost a three and a half month journey now, I um, introduced it to my mother. And my mother has said to every woman that I've ever been with, please enjoy your time with him, but just know you're not his final destination in life. Right. So my mother has single handedly ruined my love life every <laughs> single time. So, needless to say, people don't get introduced to my mom unless there's like some significant connection, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, I just thought, all right, let me save my time. Let me introduce you to mom. She meets mom. Mom says, welcome to the family. Mm. Welcome to the family, right? And again, like in my mind, this is the furthest thing that I would have ever thought was okay with mom, right? And yet mom knew. And how we met was just a complete synchronicity. Jam was supposed to be in Aspen skiing at that particular point. She couldn't get on the flight. You know, she... She had. A, she just knew that she had. To, she wasn't going to go, and a friend of us dragged her to see me. And this is how we connect. So when you think about all of the best things that have happened to you, they just happen. You didn't make them happen, right? But what if the rest of your life is like that? What if what if life has already kind of been laid out for us, and we're just overly complicating everything, thinking that we have to make something happen? Now you still have to brush your teeth. You have to take a shower. You have to show up for your work. You have to do everything but you don't need to be stressed out and overwhelmed in the midst of it. And what that means is just do the best that you can do every day and understand that that's okay. Like that's enough, right? If you're pushing beyond any reasonable level uh, inside of yourself and you're not paying attention to all of the different areas of life that you have to, then guaranteed something's going to break down somewhere. And more often than not, it's your health, mm -hmm. right? So you can have everything in the world. You can push, you can be successful, you can do all of the things, but you're using the wrong energy, right? Mm -hmm. You're using this will, right? And because you're using your will to push beyond harmony, there's typically a price that you have to pay. And that price is either your relationship or your health. So for me, mm -hmm. everything that's unfolded has unfolded uh, almost like the Celestine Prophecy, which is a book by James Redfield, where it's like this guy meets one person and then that person introduces him to another person and then that person introduces him to another person. They get moved around all over and all of a sudden on this magical journey. And that magical journey is actually the norm. It's actually what's available to us when we start to trust and surrender and when we start to let go. We're on this amazing ride, guys. Mm. We're on this amazing adventure. And synchronicity. Once we end our resistance to being ourselves, it becomes so magical and so improbable. It's just something that we just celebrate. It's a thing of awe that happens every day. So beautiful. I want to. Like even how you and I met, right? Like think about that. Like yes. you and I were at a retreat, but you were there for some whole other reason, right? You didn't even come to see me. So what was the likelihood that I was there when you were there? And the whole backstory of that was crazy because I just ended up, I ended up calling because uh, you were there because of Jack. I actually had spoken to Jack the January before and told him about this place that we were at. And that's why he went. And unbeknownst to me, he'd actually use me in the email marketing to get people to sign up. And I didn't know. And, and I knew nothing about this. So I called him and I said, 
would you mind if I came at the week when you're there? And he said, oh, I would love to. And then he sent me the email. God, this is great. Like I'm supposed to be there. And this is how we connected. Which is so crazy. Okay, so we're talking about Jack Canfield. And many of you have actually kind of even heard bits of that story. Jack was on my podcast last spring. On the podcast, he was talking about ayahuasca. I was scared to death of it. And so I couldn't believe Jack Canfield was talking about this. But the way that he was describing it sounded so magical. And then all of a sudden, he invited me to join him with a small group of friends on my podcast. He invited me. So I said, yes, I think that was more ego, like Jack Canfield invited me. But I was no way going to go. And everyone who listens to this show knows. But then all these other synchronicities started showing up about other people sharing their experiences. And the next thing I know, Jack's not going to Ecuador, which is where he originally thought he was going to be doing ayahuasca in November. All of a sudden, then I run into another friend of mine from the Tony Robbins world who says she's going to Rhythmia, this place I had heard about but didn't really know anything about, but that was on my mom's bucket list, number one on her bucket list since the day they opened their doors. But she was going with this guy named Panash Desai. It was Mariah. And we were at this birthday brunch. And then she was like, yeah, Jack Canfield and some other friends. I'm like, wait, Jack Canfield? So it was all so synchronistic. And then we get there. And yes, I'm there invited by him. But I bring my mom who's ecstatic because this is her bucket list dream. Then we meet you. And next thing I know, you're my spiritual teacher. And I'm, you know, I'll be with you all year, I'm sure, for many years. And this whole thing, you're right, the synchronicity is magical. I want to illustrate your point because I have a thousand of these. But I'll use one since we're on this thread. In order to get to the synchronicity, which is one of the outcomes that you can determine as, quote, enlightenment, you can't be reactive or you got to be in more peace, right? Trusting in the surrender Mm -hmm. of life, the flow of life. So if I would have stayed in reaction to my ideas and my fears around ayahuasca, then I would have never been able to let that go, surrender to it, have peace around it, trust that I was being guided for a reason so that I can enjoy the synchronicities, right? Yeah, we, and so we're experiencing life on different levels, right? So uh, most people are experiencing life at the level of their body. They have some physical pain or something or, or an illness or a disease, and that's who they think they are. Uh, and then there are other people who are experiencing life at the level of the mind, right? So they have beliefs and they have ideas and they've developed this wonderful, wonderful mind that, that has the ability to solve problems or bring innovation into being. And then that's who they think they are. A layer underneath that is the emotional layer. And then the layer beyond that is the soul. Or the essential self or the authentic self. Mm. And what I've discovered is the experience of the essential self or the, or the authentic self is peace. So when we're experiencing peace, we're experiencing our enlightenment. And what I love about this is that the peace that we are is at the foundation of all of those other levels of experience. Mm. So regardless of what's happening at the level of the body, we still have access to peace, right? So if we're going through, for example, cancer treatment or you know, in Celeste's case, like a heart transplant or whatever it is, or we're supporting somebody through that, we can absolutely, through the acceptance of what's happening, through ending our resistance around what's happening, we can connect to peace, right? Same thing at the level of the mind, right? So more often than not, people are just stuck at the level of the mind, right? So we're in this notion of, you know, you can't think certain thoughts, you have to affirm positive things, you have to you know, affirm what you want. It's all about your belief and it's all about your mind, but that's not really the truth, right? Because people haven't gone deeper. So now people are suffering because of the content of their mind, but they think that changing it is transformation and it isn't. The layer underneath that is the emotional layer. And this is where the transformation happens. And it happens through our willingness to experience every part of us that we've been denying, repressing or suppressing. And the very second we can embrace what our physical situation is, 
our mental situation is, then we can get into experiencing what we've been running away from our whole lives, which is a feeling, mm. which is a feeling. And that feeling is that we don't feel like we're good enough. And, and, and basically there's some part of us that we have deemed to be not good enough. And, and we've been conditioned to believe that if we have that certain experience, then we're not good enough, mm. right? So people have been adapting in the presence of this feeling. So people have built companies to prove that they're good enough. They've, they've embarked on you know, relationship after relationship after relationship to prove that they're good enough. They've done everything externally that they can, develop their bodies, develop their minds to prove that they're good enough. But the only problem is that no matter how much they do that, it's never enough. Why? Because the underlying feeling is never resolved. So for me, it's like, okay, how do we get to that place, that foundational place of experience where we're enough? Well, that comes from the peace. Mm. That comes from the essential self. And the more we can use life as an entry point into peace, the more we create a foundation of that. And that's a state of being called samadhi. And samadhi is a, is a state of being where you're operating in union with yourself and connection mm. with your authentic self, your essential self in every moment. And that's entirely possible for everyone. And so we've had some amazing strides in the, in the spiritual development space, for example, with this conversation around present moment, right? And around the proliferation of meditation and breath work, and all these different things. But what people don't realize is that the cultivation of, of uh, this awareness of the present moment or breath work or yoga in and of themselves don't take you to the essence that's within you that you have the capacity to get to. And once you become reacquainted with that way of being, that peaceful foundation, you start to live from that place. All of a sudden, it's like your whole experience of your life fundamentally transforms. Okay, so I'm with you. And mm-hmm. I'm glad I'm with you because it feels right. It, there's mm-hmm. a resonance. It's peaceful. But I want to give an example like in practicality, right? Because see, yeah. what I've experienced with your work now, especially as I just did that five-day immersion with you, and I'll do many others this year, and I encourage everyone to, if you're intrigued or you're feeling a nudge, just check it out. Everything's in the show notes, guys. It sounds so simple. How could it possibly be effective? Because we have been conditioned in the last 30 years of personal development junkiness in the world right? Everyone's trying to make a buck and some of it's really good and some of it's real crap. And you and I both know that, but it's like the more complicated it is somehow the ego wants to say, Oh, that's the way to go. So I want to first just address this idea that it, it, it can sound so frivolous in its simplicity, but isn't that always where the truth is, is in its simplicity. It takes a lot of deep inner exploration to take something that's so multidimensional and present it in a simple form. And also the other thing is that the simpler it is, the closer to the soul it is. Uh, you see, the reason why the whole transformational space has gotten so complicated and now we're using quantum physics and these different you know, <laughs> scientific mediums and apparatus to explain what happens, which we become peaceful simply, is that <laughs> we have had to kind of outthink ourselves at the level of the transformational space, mm. right? We're, we're constantly just trying to make it more complicated at the level of the mind. Also, the more complicated it is, the more it appeals to the parts of you that's avoiding feeling what it has to feel. That's it. Right? Yeah. So you're going to the workshops and you're learning all these concepts, you're consuming all this content and the level of the mind is like, oh man, like I, I understand like what's happening now when I meditate, you know, my cortisol levels going down and I'm tapping into this part of the brain and this frequency and that frequency. So, so we've made it very complicated, but in the complication of it, that to me is a symptom of adaptation. Yes. Right. And adaptation isn't dealing with what we have to deal with internally. 
right? It's another way of avoiding dealing with what we have to deal with internally. Totally. So if I were to put your book in a nutshell, which I'm sure you would probably agree or you'll let me know if you don't, I would say that you are enough is, is that you can access the peace, which is on your soul and who you are at all times. But if I were to look at the example that you just gave a moment ago of that, the mind, the body and the emotions, but underneath is, is the soul and that's the truth of who we are. And that's our pristine, essential, highest self, right? That we have access to at all times. But in practicality, what would that look like? I'll give an example of myself. I didn't even recognize until I went to your immersion that I live on anxiety and adrenaline. And sometimes aware of that, sometimes I'm not. I've always had these these modalities of how I can get back to peace. But after coming out of your immersion, I have to tell you, especially as I drove back from Palm Springs to Los Angeles and I was in the car for three years, and there was a ton of traffic because it was Super Bowl Sunday, et cetera. I realized that every time that like, I just felt like that little charge, that little tension, that little stress that like was the beginning of, of anxiety, my mind had become conditioned to get present to, oh, there's a little bit of anxiety. That person slammed on their brakes and you got nervous. You could actually get close enough to rear in them. And then I was able to breathe and I was able to come back to peace and then just flow and get out of behind them and then get into the flow of traffic. But I can give that example of like a hundred times since I came out of your immersion. I mean, 20 times a day. And it's as simple as that. And so my guess is, is that the more that I condition my brain to just go right back to my soul, which is what am I feeling? Get present to it. Don't resist it. Resist it. Don't react to it. Come back to Samadhi, present peace, which is always available, and then go from here. Is that a, is that a good way of saying it? Yeah, it's beautiful. And, and uh, I love that example because there's three different ways to do it. The first is to remain aware of the breath in every moment. And what this does is it transforms your life into a living meditation. Mm. And I discovered a long time ago that our breath is our constant companion in life. And the word for breath and the word for God in most traditions is the same word. So when we're aware of the fact that we're breathing, naturally, we're living in a meditative state. And all we're doing is observing something that's happening all the time. So we don't need to be in a dark room. We don't need to be burning incense. We don't need to compartmentalize the time for meditation. Meditation becomes dynamic and it becomes a part of life and living, right? So we cultivate this living breath awareness. Second thing is cultivating an awareness of who we really are. So the mind and the body and the emotions are activities inside the field of awareness that we are. Mm -hmm. So when we're thinking, all we have to do is ask the question, who is thinking? Yes. And take a breath. And the very second we ask the question, who is thinking? All of a sudden, when we take that breath, we start to connect to the one who is thinking, to the awareness that's there in the midst Mm -hmm. of the thoughts. Same thing with feelings. If we're having uncomfortable feelings, all we have to do is ask, okay, who is feeling? And then we just take a breath and we relax. And then all of a sudden we start to connect with presence. And what we're doing is becoming natural again. Mm -hmm. All of these things that we're engaging in are supporting us becoming natural. All of these adaptations that we've come up with, all of these ways of circumventing how we're feeling. So historically, like you'd probably feel anxious and then be overwhelmed by that because Mm -hmm. you're lost in that feeling. Why? Because you're not welcoming it. You're not including it as a part of your experience. So what this does is it allows you to include your uh, mind as a part of your experience. It allows you to include your body as a part of your experience. It allows you to include your emotions and who you are at the level of feeling in your experience without getting lost in that. And the very second you can accept who you are at these three levels, you then can begin to be able to permanently reside at the level of the soul or the essential self or the authentic self. 
Oh, so beautifully said. Okay, question. When you said, when you're feeling or thinking, a question to ask is, who's thinking or who's feeling? What if you're so wrapped up in it, you're wound tight, and you don't, you can't get access to the truth? Or is it that just even asking the question allows you to know, is that, are you saying it's either ego or it's presence, it's God, love, divine intelligence? Like, how do we discern what the answer is? So the very second you ask the question, it disrupts all of the pre-existing frameworks that you're used to operating inside of. Because what you're doing is becoming aware of something that you weren't aware of. Mm. So most people just react, right? They're reactive beings. But if we, if we actually take the time to go, okay, well, wait a minute, I'm angry right now, but who's experiencing this anger? And we just take a breath. Then all of a sudden we start to access that peace and that presence that's underneath it instead of getting lost in it and consumed by it. Because okay, when also, we're asking who's, who's feeling this anger, it's not our essential true self. It's, it's identity. Exactly. It's, you know, whatever. It's and something that, that we've personalized, yeah. Something that we've personalized it. that isn't the right. truth. Beautiful. This was a big question that came up, not only just by myself, but several in our group over the weekend at your immersion event. By the way, you guys, he's got another one coming up in Chicago and I will be there. And I hope that whomever is interested, you just get your tickets because it will sell out. But at your immersion event, there was a lot of conversation around, Panache, how do I discern between intuition and fear? And what does that have to do with me being enough? Can you unpack that a little here? Intuition arises at the level of uh, our soul and our essence and who we are. Whenever it's kind of an intuition, it has a lightness about it. Mm. Uh, it always feels light to me. You know, uh, another way of saying it is do what feels light to you. You know, if something that. in your body feels heavy or burdensome, start to eliminate those activities because they're not aligned with who you are authentically. And that can be, for example, you know, that habitual glass of wine that you have every night before you go to bed. You know, mm-hmm. and, 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 and people literally need that in order to unwind from their day. But do mm-hmm. you, right? Is there a way to actually become aware and awake and conscious in the midst of your day so then you're not having to compensate for the stress and the overwhelm at the end of your day, right? Mm-hmm. So in every moment, we have the ability to navigate life from connection. The more we do that, the, more the, the, the end result of that is we're able to produce in a more dynamic way that's holistic, we become healthier, we're free of addiction, free of addictive patterns, habits, and behaviors, free of compulsion, free of greed, free of envy, free of jealousy, free of all of these traits that exist on an egoic level when we're holding our ego up against somebody else's. <laughs> so this way, we don't need to do that. We can just connect with everybody at the level of the heart or at the level of the soul and just be in that state of love in the presence of whatever's going on around us and inside of us. See, this is so beautiful. And this is what I love about you being on the show in early 2020. The name of the show is Fire and Soul. I don't know if you know this, but fire means inspired action, not manufactured, motivated action, but inspired action from an awakened soul. And so you are the embodiment of my dream of these kinds of conversations. But I do know because I lead large groups just like you and you've touched many, many millions of more lives than I have. But people want to complicate things. And they're like, this can't be true. Even when you were on Oprah way back. I mean, she was in agreement, but she still knew. This just sounds too simple. You know, when, she, when you were on Super Soul Sunday and I was actually just listening to your podcast with her the other day. What do you have to say to those of us who still want to resist and react to that it really can be this simple and profound and transformational? 
I think I think the main thing is to come and be immersed in in an environment where you're supported in yeah. literally rewiring the way you're living uh, mm. and and shifting your fuel supply from fear lack and scarcity into abundance and love right and when you start to operate from that place of no need all of a sudden you'll start to see that every era of your life begins to flourish naturally so what we're what we're focusing on in the personal development space or the transformational space is all of these surface level issues in life and living right but we're not dealing with why we're suffering and what i want to do is support people in ending their experience of suffering once that happens all of these surface level issues of life and living just expand and evolve into their into their highest expression because you're all of a sudden you're connected to your essence and that's what's fueling everything beautiful so come come and hang out with me and be immersed in the in the material and be immersed in the experience yeah you and, guys uh, no. Yeah, Chicago is great. There's uh, that'll be on the website. Um, I'll put that in the show notes at fireandsoulpodcast.com. There's his global gathering coming up in August, and there's other immersions, including um, Amsterdam in October. And hey, might even want to go to Rhythmia with us in November. You talked about how really the purpose of the book and your mission on life is to end the level of suffering that most people on the planet, if not all, are experiencing. And then you also talk about the the wound or the suffering is the entry point to this peace, which is this wholeness of knowing that we are enough because we just, we are. So if someone wanted to start to understand how they can get present to the entry point, is that as simple as what am I feeling? Who's feeling? Who's thinking? And that brings us back to present moment, which is peace. Yes. And also when we're triggered in life, we're being given a golden opportunity. So life's going to happen. Somebody's going to say something that's going to upset you. Somebody's going to do something that's going to upset you. Something in the world is going to happen that's going to upset you. And in that moment, you're also being given an invitation to go inside and to feel what there is to feel inside in relationship to what's happening outside of you. Mm. So really what we're doing is maturing spiritually into recognizing that we're the source of everything. Like as much as we're the source of love and we're the source of abundance and we're the source of health and vitality, we're the source of the anger, we're the source of the anxiety, we're the source of the sadness, all these different things. The only problem is that until we cultivate an inclusive relationship with ourselves, we can't have all of the rest of that stuff mm. because something always undermines us. So as much as possible, recognize that when you're triggered, when something impacts you, it's impacting you for a greater reason to, to help you go deeper inside of yourself and to give your attention to what's going on inside of you. The level of feeling is that entry point. Don't make it about the other person. Don't react. There's nothing that needs to happen outside of you in relationship to what's happening in that moment. What you have to do is breathe and relax and feel what there is to feel within you. And then you're free. This is how you begin to transform and it's how you begin to unwind years and years and years of just blowing up, right? It's like someone says something, you just blow up, you know, somebody does something and you blow up, and you, but you don't need to. And then yeah. you can actually get to a place where you become aware and you can respond instead of react. Beautiful. And, uh, I love that. Blessing. respond. So beautifully put when you said, you know, all you have to do is breathe, relax and get present to whatever you're feeling. It's like, that sounds so simple. This is why I know people are going to complicate this. But I'm going to invite you all listening, for those of you that share it too, please don't overcomplicate it. That's all ego. It's what we've been conditioned to believe, especially in the current transformational space, Panache. People think that like if you visualize 17 seconds and you do this five minutes a day or an hour a day or you read this or do these 17 steps and it just overcomplicates such a simple, pristine process of getting back to the yeah. present moment and freeing ourselves from whatever we're enslaved by that's a temporary thought 
which has caused maybe a lifetime of suffering because we've now believed it. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I think the reason why it's gotten so hard and so convoluted and complicated is because we don't feel good enough in order to receive it, the simplicity of it. So it's like we've, we've almost created it to where we have to be fundamentally uncomfortable, jump through hoops, sit in the classroom for, you know, crazy hours every day and, and suffer, right? And it's, it's almost like we have to suffer in order to be able to receive. And I'm saying that you don't, you know, you're beautiful the way you are. Everybody, and, you, you don't, you know, and, and in that simplicity is the power. Right. Mm -hmm. So connect with that simplicity. I love that. You know, and I, I know this because I, I lead quite a few large groups and I know you lead many, many as well. And what I find that gets in the way of people actually just doing the work, whether it's complicated or simple, are the distractions. And so what I love about what you said is while the world seems to be going more digital, you're going rogue, you're the renegade, and you're coming back to the intimacy and to the truth and to the authenticity. And so that's what I'm going to encourage everyone listening to do is don't overthink this, please. This is simple. And the simplicity is what is what makes it so it's just truth. Truth has a substance. It has a weight. Our, our soul recognizes it, right? And there's a resonance. And that's what this is. It doesn't need to be complicated. We could change our lives as quickly as the moment that we get present to whatever we're feeling. And the scarier that thought might be, it's like, oh my God, wait, no, I don't do rage. I'm enlightened. I'm a leader in the spiritual space. I don't do that. No, yes, I do from time to time. Accepting that and not judging it. That was big for me at your immersion. It's like, oh yeah, ooh, rage is there sometimes. That's okay. It's not who I am all the time, but it's there. And then you also said something to me that really blew me away because I was like, what do you fucking mean? <laughs> and you walked by me twice when I was resisting in the beginning because I was up against some major releasing, which is so beautiful. I was on the other side of it. And I just didn't know it, but you did. And you said, you patted me on the shoulder and you're like, you don't have to be so strong. I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> and then like six hours later, like, you don't have to be so strong. And then all of a sudden I could breathe. I'm like, why am I being so strong? And it was like the ego trying to protect what was really happening, what I was really feeling. And as soon as I allowed myself through your teachings to simply just be with what I was feeling, sadness, fear, rage, lack, doubt, scarcity of like, will I ever have a man? All this stuff the, the ego had convoluted over a couple of decades. It was like, Oh, and then I could cry and release and then come back to absolute peace and not need anything. So that's my story, y'all, in a nutshell. But that's how simple it can be. So don't overcomplicate it. Yeah, it's beautiful. And also it allows us to be consistent yeah. right? and to commit and to repeat over and over again. You know, that we, I'm, I'm fortunate enough that I've seen every kind of teaching and every kind of expression, not just within the course of my lifetime, but have had access to like a 5,000-year-old wellspring of this culture that I'm from where this has occurred, right? And and the funny thing is that teaching at the highest level is always very simple because they get to a place of practicality in their enlightenment and in their experience of transformation. And the practicality is just always ending our resistance to what is, you know, and, and simply coming into a place of acceptance of what is and mm -hmm. alignment with what is. And that acceptance and that alignment allows for expansion. And so whatever you're going through, just know it doesn't mean anything about you. You're not wrong. You're not broken. You don't need healing. You don't need fixing. You're just human. And what you're doing is you're learning to navigate your humanity without apologizing for it, without compensating for it, without needing to success your way uh, to prove that you're, you know, somebody, you know, you're just able to navigate your humanity in the moment gracefully. Mm. The more you can navigate your humanity gracefully, the more you open up to that part of you that's already divine. So then the enlightenment part takes care of itself. The, the, 
the, the expansion part takes care of itself because you're dealing with who you have to deal with, who you, what you have to deal with the level of your humanity. So. It's very true. And, and what I had shared at the end of the immersion with our, our group of people there, and I'll share this here on the podcast is at the beginning of this year, I had already invested for some, this is going to sound like a lot for some, this is going to sound like nothing. So it's all relative, but I had invested about $25,000 with a business coach and a relationship mentor. And then I came to your program and I realized by basically day four of your immersion, and especially after reading you are enough, which just blew me away. Um, so beautiful. You guys can't wait for you to get your hands on it or get the audible version. And it's Panache actually narrating it, which is so cool. But I realized, whoa, there's no one on the planet teaching this the way that you teach it. I don't believe there's another spiritual teacher out there like you are because you're willing to be so honest and you are willing to forego being liked and approved, although most do, in order for you to be so authentic. And I thought, I don't even need a business coach or a relationship coach. If I just do this and I focus here and I truly get back into my soul's alignment and then I can allow for the expansion that I don't have to effort at all because I'll be called to all be in synchronicity, then everything else takes care of itself. The relationship, the business, the growth, the impact, everything else. So that's for me as my ultimate takeaway. And I really meant that. And then of course I put my money where my mouth is. I invested with some programs that Panache is doing for a year long of mentorship. But I want you guys to know that you can start wherever you start, get the book, get a taste of that. I know you're going to love this show and this conversation, but just know that this is the entry point also to your transformation. And I say that for all of you listening who have learned to trust me as your guide, that this is as real as it gets. This is what you've been waiting for. You are absolutely enough. And this is it. We don't even need anything else. And I really mean that, Panache. And I'm so grateful that you answered your call to serve us so beautifully. Thanks, Michelle. You know, it's been a joy having you in my life and <laughs> and just seeing your unfolding and, and just seeing this wonderful expansion that you've been going through and experiencing it. And uh, I'm so happy because, you know, the more we return to the simplicity of who we are, the more the power we have inside of us is just expressed into the world. And there's nothing that makes me happier than seeing that power and that light and that love that you are fully expressed into the world. Like it just makes me so happy. So just thank you so much for being you and for having the courage to turn and face these parts of you that, you know, sometimes can be scary or sometimes we want to avoid or deny or run away from. And it's wonderful because that's truly what it takes. It takes courage. And, um, you know, you don't have to, you know, walk across a tightrope. Uh, you know, 50 feet in the air, you, you don't have to do all of these things because the, the scariest things of all are the, are the greatest opportunities for growth aren't outside of us. They're all inside of us. And the more we can begin to put our attention there, the more we evolve and expand. And it's just beautiful to see that in you and to connect with this wonderful community of people and mm-hmm. just to be able to support the world and remembering that we're enough and that we have everything we need inside of us. Mm, God, it's that simple. So at the end of every podcast, I ask each guest the same question, which I, I think I know what your answer will be, but how do you define an awakened soul? So that's a very interesting question, actually, <laughs> uh, because it's not how you define it. It's how you experience it. Oh, beautiful. Um, so for me, I can feel the presence of an awakened soul. Mm. Uh, they don't have to say anything. Just that presence alone lets me know where they are. Uh, because and, and this is important because we know the lingo of enlightenment. We understand the, the concepts and the beliefs and everything we're meant to be saying and everything we're meant to be doing every day in order to demonstrate that potential. But for me, it happens at the level of feeling. 
You know, when I'm with someone who really has embraced who they are and they're at peace in themselves and they're able to just emanate that out to the world, that's how I know I'm in the presence of an awakened soul. Oh God, that's like the best definition ever. It's true. So I might revise how I ask that then at the end of every podcast. I'm going to have John Paul Crimi on very soon as well. Your mm-hmm. breathwork uh, partner at the immersion is amazing too. I love that definition. By the way, I have to tell you something really funny. There was someone who was at the immersion who we didn't really connect the first two and a half days because I was in resistance and blockage that I didn't even know was going on with me. And uh, you did, <laughs> you could feel it, but I didn't. And I was just in pain and rage and over all this stuff. And then by day three, I ended up breaking free and being this totally different state. And then at the end of the thing, she like slapped her knees and she said, I'm so glad you raised your vibration so we could hang out together. <laughs> and I say that because isn't that true? And that, by the way, comes full circles, circle to the synchronicities in life. If you're wondering why you only have crappy sort of negative, low energy people in your life, kind of look at yourself there for a moment. And if you're beginning to attract like high vibing people that are more positive than not, and they can own themselves and their authenticity and their peace, right? And their grace. It's like, mm, that's all energy. Anyway, it was such a beautiful nutshell for my arc of transformation, which is I was willing to face the things that I didn't want to see. And I didn't even know were there, which is how you define transformation. And then I can yeah. be on either side of it through courage and then an acceptance and then whew, synchronicity started to happen. Like me getting to meet the beautiful soul that she is. And I'm, I believe we'll be friends forever. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. And that's a beautiful definition of transformation too, you know, because we're bringing what's in the, the darkness of the shadow, right? Yeah. Or where, where there's a potential of light that's been, you know, inhibited and we're releasing it. And that's really what transformation is. It's, it's turning and facing the perceived darkness or, the, or the, the aspect of ourself that we've judged or that we've made wrong and embracing it. And through the embracing of it, receiving the gift of it uh, and yeah. ending our resistance toward it. And then all of a sudden it's like, the miracle that was in the room all the time that we were meant to connect with all of a sudden we can connect with it. Right. But while we were in our upset and fighting against this thing and saying, Oh, I'm not that, and I'm not this feeling and I'm not this thought and you know, I'm not this and I'm not that. And you're in that kind of denial of that state. You're completely cut off to the possibility. And so it's a That's perfect it. example. Yeah. That's it. So if anything, guys, if you want to experience the synchronicities that are all around you right now, like these beautiful sort of like platinum gold, angels, gifts, and opportunities, then just own your shit and stop being so reactive. Allow yourself to be present and accept exactly what you're feeling. Get back to peace as soon as you get conscious to that it's not you. It's it's just collective consciousness. It's old stories running the mind, etc. And then you can be in this expansive state, which is knowing that you are enough at all times. Panache, I can't thank you enough. You are more than enough. And you've helped me to see that I am enough on, on new layers that just keep revealing themselves. And I do believe I'm coming home and back to my essential true self and not in a rhetoric because I've been to seminars and read the books and memorized this stuff, but because I'm beginning to embody it at a level that does require a bravery that I didn't even know that I had to tap into. So thank you for showing me though, how simple and fun and easy it can also be as well. And it's worth it because this is an expansive state that I know can heal the planet. Although You'd probably see the planet doesn't need to be healed. It's exactly as it is because it is how it is and it's perfect. But this liberation and this freedom to come back to soul alignment is everything. So thank you again. Thank you. So much love to you. (laughs) 
Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Fire and Soul podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And of course, if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. And if you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at fireandsoulpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.